On this episode of Xylem's In the Field with Gould's Water Technology podcast series, Terry Morse joins us from the National Groundwater Association to share resources they're making available to groundwater professionals during these unprecedented times. As one of the most critical organizations to the residential water industry, NGWA has taken a welcome lead in providing insights, programming, and materials that are helping water professionals be proactive and prepared. Here's the discussion. I'm your host, Amanda Holloway, here with Susan O'Grady, and we're really excited to welcome Terry Morris from the National Groundwater Association to today's episode of In the Field with Gould's Water Technology, part of Xylem's Solving Water podcast. We're especially happy to have him here to talk through some of the different resources, programming, materials, the different things that the NGWA is doing to support the industry in light of COVID-19. Terry, thanks so much for giving uh, us some of your time today. Before we get into how this virus is affecting the groundwater industry, we want to ask some general questions about NGWA and how things are going for you, and Great. also how your role may have changed recently. Good. Uh, so you, a little bit of background on NGWA. Uh, I'm the Chief Executive Officer and NGWA's National Groundwater Association. We consist of about 10,000 members across the country, uh, water well drillers, which we consider contractors, the scientists and engineer world, along with the manufacturers and suppliers. Our our role basically is to try to help our members in the industry become better professionals is what they do, whether it help them become better business owner operators or advance their professional careers. We try to be the central hub from an education and and, uh, knowledge transfer. And then also to make sure that what we're doing in this industry, that we get that information out to the public, to the legislators, Mm -hmm. to the public policy individuals. I feel like what this industry does is vital to everybody's livelihood as a necessity of life. Uh, But we're a hidden jewel in the industry. I think that the general public doesn't understand what this industry does. And it's our job as the association to shout from the highest rooftops to let everybody know what this industry does to support their daily lives. How, how about your role specifically and what you're seeing as a result of COVID-19? How is, how is that affecting what you do on a day-to-day basis and what NGWA offers? <laughs> it almost, that's a great question. It almost, it almost changes hourly, at least if a couple of weeks ago when this first hit, uh, almost it seemed like every day a new, a new story would come out that would change what we're doing. But but it's leveled off a little bit. So what we're focused on now is making sure that our members and individuals within the industry are getting the accurate information because there's a lot of sources, a lot of information coming out like a shotgun. And, and some of it's just opinions. And this it's happened not just because of COVID-19, but there's a lot of, uh, um, I guess, misinformation that may be out there, thoughts and opinions. So what we've tried to do is specifically with COVID-19 is, is gather the information package it down to what's relevant to our industry and then get that out to, our, to, to everybody to let them know this is how it affects either you or your, uh, your clients and homeowners. So what are like a few resources or programs that you've created to help groundwater professionals in this time of need? <clears throat> you know, uh, wow. We've done quite a few things. Uh, the first I would say if, if you go to our website at ngwa.org, there's a specific resource page COVID-19 resource page. Uh, in there, it lists, uh, there's probably about 15, 20 different things. 
but that was a, that was one of the first things we did. Additionally, that's been really helpful. We set up a dedicated Facebook page for for COVID nineteen, where our members can go on. And it's basically a, ch- a discussion and chat. We started that really 150 members, and in the past two weeks, it's grown to over 8,000. And that's that's been a great direct source for our business owners, operators to get on there and ask specific questions and share information. But on the um, on the website, on our resource page, we've done things from the standpoint of creating a checklist for when the contractor goes out and makes a service call. Here's the, here's the do's and don'ts in order to protect yourself and your your staff. To when the announcement was made, what was considered essential workers, we uh, drafted up a, a letter that our our business owners can use to download to carry that letter in their in their vehicle, so that if they're pulled over by uh, an official asking why they're out performing work, they can show that they're considered an essential essential worker. We've done um, information out on the business loans to uh, the health uh, employee checklist. We've been, there's even a part on the page that breaks down. Even though the federal government issued their guidelines on essential workers, each individual mm-hmm. state has interpreted themselves. So on our website, you can go there and click your specific state and see how they've interpreted that essential work policy. Okay, great. Do you maybe have a sample of what a post would be on the Facebook site that might be useful to some to somebody in the industry? Oh, I think the first question that came out is how how are you as a contractor managing your staff, making calls to homes? What are some ideas that you've, if, if you're not allowed to drill, uh, construct a new well, how are you reorganizing your, your, your work crews? Are there three-person crews, two-person crews? So they're sharing ideas of how they're uh, realigning their resources to meet whatever state regulations they have and or to keep their employees safe when they're out on the job site. You just mentioned that there's a, a about essential workers, and we had recently on the show Xylem's VP of Product Regulatory and Government Affairs, and he was sharing some insights for small business owners regarding the CARES Act. And, and so what are a couple specific takeaways from the CARES Act that you might be able to share for the well drilling industry? What I would like for, for our industry to know is, first of all, educate yourself because there's two parts to it. There's there's the SBA loan and the Paycheck Protection Program. And I think as, as an owner-operator, you need to understand how those numbers, how those programs specifically re- relate to your situation. Because knowing how they work and, and plugging that into your business operation is going to be essential to your business survival and, and maximizing the benefits. So, for example, in the Paycheck Protection Program, you know, understand how that affects your expenses over the over the time period from that the eight weeks that that loan is is given out, whereas the small business loan is a it's a ten year loan um, that maybe you can manage those expenses over a longer period of time. So one's one's shorter, one's longer, um, and maybe you need to just look at one or, or or both. So just understand the numbers of that because that's 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 key to making through this these challenging times. Yeah, that's great. I think, you know, we've had a lot of customers ask about educational materials for their kids. I mean, I'm sure you, yeah. you might experience this yourself, you know, homeschooling, excuse me, has added some stress to parents' lives. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. I know it has mine. Um, um, can you tell us maybe what NGWA has offered to help with these requests? 
Yeah. So our our foundation, the Groundwater Foundation, and uh, you can find us at uh, groundwater.org. But we we have a, a K through 12 program, education program, and there's two components to it. One's there there's what we call is there's an awesome aquifer kit. It's more of a hands-on tool. And before this whole COVID-19 uh, crisis hit, it was more of an in-classroom hands-on demonstration that that taught our youth the cycle of water and how it interacts with the ground. And uh, it was a great visual. So we used to supply um, school teachers with this, but parents could still go online. And if they want a hands-on educational kit, they, they could purchase one. But specifically for online, we have, I think, 15 different online lesson plans. There's also uh, an app they can download. But go, go to groundwater.org. You'll see a link there for students and then our, our entire online education program that uh, parents can, can access. And, and then even for little ones, we have little coloring sheets that actually help them educate them on groundwater at the same time that they're having fun coloring. So uh, it, it's all there. We, we promoted it. But for parents who are looking for something, I think it's a great site. That's awesome. And I think I read somewhere that you guys are updating content almost weekly, adding some new stuff to, to the site. As well. Yeah, it's it, it, weekly, daily. Um, I think the latest thing we put on there were, were the coloring sheets for the younger kids. Uh, but yes, that, that site's been, it's actually been there for a number of years, but we've uh, gone through because of the, the situation that's at hand. We've updated quite a bit of the information and uh, it's, it's there right now for anybody to access and use. On our show, In the Field with Gould's Water Technology, the latest series covers tips and trainings for small business owners. Listen to all five episodes of the Small Business Toolbox series wherever you get your podcasts. And so just kind of shifting gears a little bit from the education components, how do you think that this, the COVID-19 situation is going to change the industry in the future, like for the long haul? And what, what are some things that the NGWA is doing um, in preparation for these changes? Yeah, so it's, you know, there's, obviously there's a lot of thoughts and opinions on how this is going to shape things. I can tell you what, what's, what we're doing right now currently and where we think things are going to go. What I'm seeing right now is everybody's pulling together stronger. Our, our members are communicating. We as an association are developing stronger connections with the state associations. The information we're putting out, the states are asking if they can share it. I actually have other associations contacting us, asking us if, if they can use the information we have on our resource page to help their members out. So I think there's there's going to be this tighter connection. You know, this industry is mm-hmm. great uh, in that it's we're already a tight group. And what I'm proud of is, is that the, the companies – and members in this industry have pulled together even stronger. Like I mentioned earlier, the Facebook page, mm-hmm. we went from 150 to 8,000. So I think there's going to be this trend towards people sharing ideas, how to learn to, to adapt, um, how to become better business owners, operators. I think it's going to mm-hmm. force everybody to look at, understand um, short-term and long-term effects on their business. How can they operate more efficiently? Mm-hmm. I see things, I think, really across the board from a virtual standpoint, some of our members in the past in this industry prefer hands-on experience training, which I think will mm-hmm. still be, but maybe in the, in the future there'll be more of a hybrid where I think there'll be a greater acceptance of, of virtual education. 
some states right now don't uh, allow virtual education from a CEU standpoint, but I can see where that hmm. trend and that push is going to, to allow state associations or even us at, a, at the national level to put on virtual CE classes. Um, so I think that's kind of what we're going to see from a wave in the future. Uh, sure. And I think there'll be a lot more focus on the PPE equipment, mm-hmm. on proper use, disinfection. So I think it's going to make us smarter, more efficient, and utilize a little bit more technology. Yeah, and I, I mean, are you, this Facebook group is really interesting. I'm actually part of that group. Um, Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I love to to interact on there or read what people are saying. But what are some of the key challenges or questions that you feel like you're getting at this time from from that resource, but just in general? Well, so, some of the challenging ones are probably a little bit more state specific. Okay. Uh, like going going back to where you know the the federal government put out their policies, what qualified as an essential worker or industry. Uh, mm-hmm. the, some of the individual states have kind of honed down a little bit tighter. So more of those, I guess, grassroots questions have been more challenging because it's hard to interpret. We can help point them in the right direction, but at times it's it's really more at the state level where those decisions, mm-hmm. and they need to get those answers because if we give them a general answer, it may not pertain Mm-hmm. Uh, to their the way their states we had a question come in from Pennsylvania it was about construction you know they were told they're not allowed to do construction and then it, so my response to them was that look we're not a construction SIC code yeah. but the word construction can be used and you're constructing a new well so you need to go back to your state and see how they interpret that mm-hmm. even though you're saying that you're constructing a well but you know again it goes back to water being essential and uh, and different states have interpreted it differently I think those okay. are the most challenging. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would guess that that's a pretty tough call to make. But hopefully, you know, like like you said, building the community on the Facebook group and just in general is really helping people collaborate and solve some of this stuff. Yeah, and and, and you're getting uh, real time answers from from the individuals who are out in the field working on it quite a bit. We've had a few of the members share how they've. Um, realign their 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 work crews and what they're doing when they're making house calls what they're doing on the front end the back end and i and and i think at a time like this people get bogged down or they may get focused on a very microscopic issue and and they don't have time to pull back and look at the bigger picture so Mm -hmm. that facebook page helps them throw out a question that maybe they just haven't had time to think about but somebody else has and uh, helps them get across that a lot quicker versus taking time to think through it themselves. Which is really helpful. Well, I know we've covered this a little bit, but, and I know you've mentioned that it's different per state, but just as an essential industry, um, what are the top three things a groundwater professional can do to protect themselves and their customers at this time? Yeah, I, so I think at this time, I think it comes back to safety. I, um, because if, if they don't have a workforce, they're not going to be able to, you know, get the jobs done and it's going to be affected not only for the homeowner that they're trying to go help, but then also for themselves as an individual and a company. So I, really, I think in those three areas, I think they need to look at their employees on a daily basis. You know, if they're coming into work, make sure that they're healthy and they don't have a fever. Um, if they're going to go out and make a house call, maybe on the front end check the status of the homeowner they're going to. Is there anybody sick in that house? And, and make sure that, 
can they do this service without making any contact with the family at all? They're outside, the family's inside. I think the third thing they can do then is follow up maybe two weeks later with that homeowner. Mm -hmm. If they did a job, is anybody in that home sick, you know, 14 days later? Because if so, and if their mm -hmm. employee had contact, then that should send a signal that maybe they should quarantine their, their employees. So I think checking that health uh, safety on the front end, while they're on the call, and then on the back end, um, that keeps everybody kind of in that contact list of who's healthy, who's not, and what actions need to be taken from that standpoint. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. Just in your opinion, how can manufacturers like Xylem help the NGWA during this time? Well, I think like what we're doing right now, this podcast is helpful. It's helpful to get information out. Uh, I, where I see the contract, where the manufacturers can help the association and the industry is stay in touch with, with us, NGWA. If you've seen a trend, seen anything there that would help us communicate that information to the contractor. For instance, if, if a manufacturer has a supply chain that's being disrupted, and this is going to affect uh, the fulfillment of products or supplies. Communicate that to us so, the, so the, the, the drillers, we can get it out to the contractors, let them know if there's operations overseas that are being shut down because of uh, quarantine issues. The, the biggest question I get from our contractors is that they typically, if an event happens, they feel the effects maybe two months down the road. It's kind of like that, that slow process that ends mm -hmm. up affecting them. But if they can hear any information on the front lines, which I feel like the manufacturers and suppliers are more on the front lines of seeing what's happening in their world, communicate that to us so we can share that information so that the, the contractors mm -hmm. can plan and prep accordingly. So sharing of information, trends. And I think, you know, that we, I know on Xylem.com, we have a, an area specific to COVID-19 response efforts, whether that's a letter from our CEO or a video from our CEO, we've got some actions that we're taking. I mean, over communication is pretty critical at this time, regardless of what part of the industry you're in. So what you're saying makes total right. sense. Yeah, good. And, and, and at all times, if there's information that you have that you want to share you know, on our website or in information pieces that we put out, all that's helpful because it not only goes out from us, but also goes to the state associations. So to understand how, give you a, a bigger picture of the communication mm -hmm. from the association world, we, we have a pretty large database of the contractors and individuals in this industry, but it's not inclusive. There are some outreach by the states. The states can get it a little bit further than we can. Uh, so we send stuff out each individual state association then has their own database of contacts to send out. Okay. So it's a chain, chain reaction. Some, there are a lot of individuals who get information from us and the same information from the state, but there's an, that extra extension. So we're also the first step of communication to the states so that the states can then get it out. That's good to know. Right. And I know that we've, I know we've shared on our social media channels, some of your posts as well, you know, just continuing to spread the message of, yeah. of good resources that we can share with people that follow us on social media as well. Well, thanks. And, and, and you know, if you go to our, you know, the resource, the COVID-19 resource section on our website, a lot of information there. And I will tell you that, yes, we, we've come up with some of it internally, but a lot, but a good amount of it comes from other resources. We see something like, for instance, mm -hmm. the letter, the, the, the um, employee letter that, 
as recommended for people to carry in their cars to mm-hmm. present to a law enforcement agent if they're pulled over. That came to me from my local township police chief who said, hey, if here's what we're recommending you carry in your vehicles. I saw that. I thought, you know what? Everybody needs to know this information. So it's just, just this collective ideas coming in. We're working on um, something that should come out here in the next couple of days, kind of an overall PPE proper use for the contractors or anybody, scientists, engineers who are in the field. And it really came from an idea. I had a, a, a past board member contact me this morning saying, hey, we, we need to educate contractors on how to properly put on, take off, and disinfect their PPE. Mm-hmm. Well, we go back in our database, and we've got that information from various articles we run. June is Safety Awareness a Month. Okay. So when we look back through our database, we have a lot of this information pieced over the years but now we're going to package it together and get it out now, not wait till June because the hot issues now, but we're yeah. going to kind of put together a collective. Here's how you properly wear it, dispose of it, disinfect it. And um, so just those ideas coming in from across the board, help us come up with to fine tune it and maybe branch off to another idea as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we've covered so much already in this conversation. So I don't know if it's just, you know, making sure to visit, your website and really take a look at those COVID-19 resources that you have there. But what's the most important thing you want the groundwater community to take away from this conversation today? I I want everybody to know that we're here to help and that collectively we're stronger together from every individual that's a business company that's in this industry to the associations that's sharing this information. we're, 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 happy and and want to be the central hub to share all this information. But I really think just the nature of this industry, we're here, everybody understands the vital importance of the service that we provide Mm -hmm. to communities and individuals and that, you know, we're going to make it through it. There's sure there's some challenging times right now, but we have some tough individuals, tough companies, smart individuals collectively. uh, We're going to work this out and we're going to be stronger coming out of it. And uh, go to our resource page because every day we're putting stuff in there. Now, we do send it out through email blasts and all of our social media. Mm-hmm. But if you miss one of those notifications, the central hub is that resource page. So go there and explore all the different links and educate yourself how it specifically relates to this industry. That's great information. You've really given us a, a wealth of information today, which is really appreciated. Um, but any personal experiences that you've had during this process or like words of encouragement, anything like that, that's really helped you and, and navigate this situation that you think that might be beneficial for our listeners to hear? Well, for me personally, so, you know, earlier you asked about, you know, education, children at home. I have five at home. Wow. Uh, range from a junior in high school to a preschooler and, and so things are stressful. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I make it into the office every day still. I'm fortunate that my office is five miles from my house. But then trying to balance this, going home, trying to balance mm-hmm. the personal life, the stress. Uh, but what I've, I've tried to tell my staff, my kids, my family is that in adversity, when one door closes, there's always an opportunity for another opportunity opens. Mm-hmm. And you'd ask how this industry is going to look possibly post COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And I would challenge everybody to look at 
we may have to change the way we're doing it, but usually when there's when we're, you're stopped one way, there's another opportunity that opens up. So keep your eyes and ears open and think about those opportunities that are going to that come out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's stressful, but just know that it is going to pass. Try not to act, try not act on the moment, but think mm-hmm. you know two three three weeks down, maybe a month down the road, and and just keep that glimmer of hope. Yeah, I think that's something we all need right now. I have a preschooler as well, and just one, not five. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I, um, I'm having my own set of struggles. Maybe there's, has there been any sort of interesting, you mentioned like opportunities that have arisen, and I do think that that's a great thing that's come out of this situation is this sort of silver lining component. Um, but has there been any sort of clever or interesting things that you've learned, whether it's family, friends, or, or your colleagues here, to kind of help get through with kids at home and managing work and all that good stuff? Wow, that's a great question. I, I think I think the first part just goes back to just basic uh, appreciation and, and value the time that, that you are at home. I, I thought about this yesterday, that if for some reason, let's say this were to end abruptly in a week, Mm-hmm. I would look back and say, wow, did I waste that time not not doing things with my kids at home that I could have done while we were locked in? So not knowing when that end is, try to take advantage of that stuff now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sitting around, talking to them, doing different things from a social media standpoint. What what really intrigued me was my youngest, well, not my youngest, my middle son, virtually having a virtual play date, had his friends like on I think Instagram or Snapchat talking to them while they're playing mm-hmm. video games. Um, but, but I think some of those things it's, it's learning and understanding different ways to communicate, but reconnect, mm-hmm. I think have been the, the things that have come out of this. And I think it's going to force some people who've had um, reluctance to technology to understand mm-hmm. how now technology can be their friend in this world and, and move forward. So, that's yeah. where I learned from it. It's really heartening to see there's so much, so much interaction on that Facebook group. I mean, especially just coming from the marketing side of things, you know, it's just really interesting to see that level of engagement really ramp up and people are starting to embrace it even more. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to see that on there. Anything else you want to add Terry before we kind of wrap it up here? No, I, I, I appreciate your time. I think this is a great opportunity for all of us to, to connect and, and get some information out. And I know I've said it before, but just, you know, stay in touch with us. Visit visit our resource page because we're literally, there's two or three things we're working on. There's going to be a press release going out today and some new information going out this week. And uh, that's the best way to stay in touch and be updated. Well, thank you for all your time this morning and um, stay safe out there. Great. Thank you. Stay safe. Stay healthy. The Solving Water Podcast is produced and distributed by Xylem, a global water technology company of more than 16,000 employees committed to solving critical water and infrastructure challenges worldwide. Stream, download, and subscribe 